0: we had so many restrictions and a lot of our business had started coming from open houses so we got creative we figured out when um it was okay to do that how to do an open house with two agents being there and making sure that social distancing took place and that uh, there there weren't a bunch of people in the house at the same time Uh, it was uh, it's amazing how flexible and resilient Uh, everybody became uh, because we had to.
1: You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of U.S. Sales and Marketing for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform allowing you to leverage the power of your verified reviews. Listen in as I interview leaders in the industry, getting their backstories and their journey to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 258 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I get to stay in Florida. I love staying in Florida. I'm going up to the panhandle, the Destin-Fort Walton area, and I'm going to be interviewing Gloria Frazier. Gloria is the broker owner of the ERA American real estate operation in uh, the panhandle. and I am I'm so honored to have a chat with her. Wait until you hear how long Gloria has owned this brokerage and some of the cool things she did prior to real estate. It's the perfect story for the Real Estate Sessions podcast. So let's get started. Gloria, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. We have a, a mutual friend in Molly McKinley.
0: Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Love yeah. Her. She-
1: she's amazing and she's the one who uh, said oh you've got to talk to gloria she's she's great and so i'm really looking forward to this you you hold a record for my podcast something that um uh, i've interviewed roughly 50 broker owners in the 5 years i've been doing the real estate sessions and you absolutely at 40 years you're coming up on your 40th year of owning the era american realty operation that you yeah. that, that you've owned and ran since 1980, 81, which one? 81. Wow. Let's, let's, first of all, congratulations and talk about, you know, that's gotta be, that's gotta feel good.
0: Well, it does feel good. No doubt about it. Um, In, in many ways, you know, longevity is, um, is important in, in many, many ways, but those years sure went by fast. I'll tell you that it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful time.
1: You know I, I can't even imagine some of the technology changes, right? because in eighty one I remember um, playing on like an early version model of a macbook like eighty one or eighty two in that time frame. and there were some computers out there but they weren't they definitely weren't in your office yet not not nineteen eighty one I would imagine
0: Well, our MLS, uh, and we are actually in a still semi-rural area. Our MLS was, I believe, the first one in Florida to go to a, a computerized model. Now, it was DOS, and if you wanted to enter a listing, you would get your little sheet out that showed you how many bedrooms and bathrooms, and then you would start typing. A1 was for a ranch house comma, B3 meant three bedrooms, C4 meant two full bathrooms, and so on and so on down the alphabet until the connection broke and you (laughs) had to start all over again, and finally you got a listing in uh, the computer, but we were computerized in that regard very early. Wow. Earlier on also with ERA, when it was bought out by Control Data for a little while, they all, they told us, okay, now you're going to become computerized for sure. We're going to get you Unix machines from Control Data. And we bought two of them. And they cost, as I recall, $10,000 in eighty three eighty four, 384, which was a lot of money and They each had a five megabyte hard drive.
1: Yes, that's. I was. I was waiting for that. (laughs) I remember spending uh, on a PC back in you know the the that time frame to get like a ten meg hard drive was a huge deal.
0: Oh yeah, it was such
1: a big ten megabytes. And I'm sure right now people in their 30s and 20s listening to this are just going, "What are they talking about?" Uh,
0: They mean gigabytes or terabytes? No,
1: it's no, no. It was megabytes. Yeah. Um, oh, and the amber screen monitors instead of the green screen. Oh, just oh, yeah. goes take me back. Now your your operation is in the Florida Panhandle, right, Destin area. Right. right. So, were you born and raised there? Is that is that home for you? No, I wasn't. I was
0: born and raised in Los Angeles. I uh, graduated college uh, from uh, Pepperdine when it was still in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, had the fortune uh, a fortunate experience of being able to take a trip through Europe after college. And I stayed for 11 years. So I spent my twenties in Germany and, um, met some people that, uh, were coming back to this area. My best friend in Germany came back here. And when we decided it was time to, to come back home in the meantime, I had married an air force, um, Sergeant. So, uh, we decided, okay, it's time to come back home. We had a brand new baby. We decided this was going to be home. So it's been home now for, uh, our daughter's 44 years old. So 44 years now. So.
1: We got to talk about Germany for a second. I, I don't think I knew that. That's awesome. So you speak German? I do. Yeah, I imagine you had to learn it after 10 years living there.
0: Well, I minored in German in college. Uh, my dad was part German. He was first-generation American from the Dutch Pennsylvania, and he uh, still spoke with an accent uh, my whole life. So, I took German in college because I thought well maybe maybe that would work. He didn't speak much German anymore because it'd been a long time, but I enjoyed it, and so, when I got over there, that was one of the reasons I wanted to stay was to uh get very bilingual and accent free if I could and learn everything, then come back, maybe get a master's degree in German and teach it at a college level that of course that never happened. I just ended <laughs> up staying there when you can and you're in your twenties. That's what you do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just a, just a couple more questions about this. So this is still West Germany, East Germany. This is right. Yeah. This is prior.
0: It, it, it was. Yeah. I lived there from, um, and now I'm really giving you my age, but I lived there <laughs> from 1965 to 1976 Wow. So uh, yeah, you had to um have your passport with you and there was one autobahn from West Germany to Berlin and you couldn't get off of it if you wanted to. It was forbidden to get off the road. Yeah, yep, it was still very much post-war Germany and As far as uh, the economy was concerned, much the same too. You could still see in a couple of cities, you could still see things they hadn't built back yet. It was still
1: rubble. You would travel into uh, West Berlin, which was in East Germany. I'll make sure everybody understands this. Correct. A walled city. And you had to travel through checkpoints and all kinds of different things just to make that happen, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: I'm yeah, guessing your heritage is German too with the last name of Risser.
1: it <laughs> is yeah so there's there's some Welsh on one side German on the other um, uh, I, I was told by my uncle who served in um, served in Germany in the army uh, there's a little town called Risser somewhere in uh,
0: I don't doubt that
1: West Germany yeah so uh, I, I do share that heritage but speak not one word uh, of the language uh, so that's okay <laughs> Gloria a little birdie told me that that First of all, you play the bass and I'm not talking about the stand-up. I'm talking about a bass guitar. You're a bass guitar player and you're, you I were in a band for 30 years.
0: A, I, yes. Um, we actually, uh, started a band in Germany and I've got some crazy stories to tell about working in American clubs in Germany with, uh, especially the enlisted clubs because those guys were, uh, ready to party and, uh, Then we brought it back here and um, had the band for another 20 years. That was always kind of the side gig in the beginning and a way to uh, relax uh, after the end of the day. But uh, mid-90s or so, um, it started being work instead of fun. So we uh,
1: retired it. I got some questions. One, (laughs) one, number one, what was the name of the band? It was The Horizons. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Number two, um, how many people are in the band? So we have a bass player. We have to have a lead guitar, right?
0: My husband was the lead guitarist. We have had everything from a six-piece band to just the two of us and um, and an electronic drummer. But uh, mostly we – probably mostly it was three to four pieces. Uh, We did – when we were in Germany and first moved back here, we did more country music uh, because – Germany, you had to say what kind of music you were doing in the club. And then we played some German clubs, too, and they love country music. Okay. They still love country music. Johnny Cash is, um, you know, the number one um, in Germany. And then we moved more into, you know, the lounge music um, era. Never did any top 20 or anything like that. It was um, either more easy listening or straight-up country.
1: Were you doing originals and covers?
0: My, my husband has written a few songs. We used to do a couple of his, but uh, it was all covers.
1: Yeah. Okay. There's got to be one song that you you would never want to play again because you had to play it so much. Well, can you pick one where you're like, I'm just tired of that song?
0: Yeah. I know exactly which one it is. I hated it from the beginning. It's a country song called Miller's Cave. It's uh, it's awful. My husband loved it. He he would play it every time because he liked it, and I would just go along for the ride.
1: But yeah, but that's awesome. (laughs) And then and then, how about your favorite? The one song you could play over and over and over, either because it got you had some fun parts on the bass, or because you just liked the song.
0: Yeah, well, there's a couple of them. Fun parts on the bass would have been Kansas City, or the theme from the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, we used to do that. That has some good bass parts on it too, but um, I think Patsy Cline's "Crazy" is probably the one that is my go-to.
1: And were you singing on that song? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! I uh, wow. Is there any place I can find any of this music online? Thankfully, no. Wow! This is awesome. I I'm I'm so, such a fan of music. This is just very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you you you, you settle in. First of all, when you get to, did you settle in Destin? Is that where you ended up coming uh, over initially? I
0: actually, um, for the 40 years we've lived here, I've never lived in Destin. Okay, I lived in Shalimar and Fort Walton Beach. All of these towns are pretty much connected except for the bridges that keep them from each other because we've got the waterways in between. Uh, right. Lots of bayous and, and the, the big Chocotahatchee Bay. So I uh, never have lived in Destin.
1: I I moved to, to Florida in about three years ago, and I quickly discovered in the world of real estate in Florida, crossing a bridge is a big deal. Like <laughs> people, <laughs> you smiled, people do not like crossing bridges. That could be an agent. Of course, it could be the consumers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the truth, right?
0: Um, well, it, theoretically and practically, sometimes people don't like crossing bridges. So, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I like that you um tell, tell me tell me why you love it. you stay there over you've been there forty four years. Why do you love uh, the Panhandle so much?
0: well it's it's great. Having grown up on the West Coast, of course, I had access to the Pacific Ocean anytime because I lived in Los Angeles, and uh, then for a while I didn't. and coming back here, it was just the Pacific Ocean all calmed down. <laughs> and then with beautiful colors up oh, there is a bridge between fort walton and Destin. that when you go over it 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 still takes my breath away after 44 years you see all the colors of the, the, what you would imagine of the caribbean islands and a beautiful pass going out into the gulf and on the other side a beautiful bay it's just it's still breathtaking 44 years later i still go oh so,
1: yeah yeah. And, and a lot warmer than the Pacific up in the L.A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For
0: sure. <laughs> For yeah, sure. So, that, mm. so you
1: mentioned real estate wasn't your first career. What did you do when you got back and what were you doing in Germany? What, you know, you were, what was the plan?
0: Yeah, actually, um, there wasn't much of a plan other than I did not want to uh, come back and I did plan to learn German. So I I worked at a couple of interesting jobs. My very first one was uh, working at a home for children of unwed mothers. It was a virtual orphanage. But boy, did I learn German fast because nobody there spoke English. It was a small town in southern Germany, and I chose it specifically because I wouldn't be able to find Americans to hang out with and not learn German. And I had to communicate with the kids. So, um, you know, I picked it up fast. And then I worked for Berlitz School teaching English to Germans for another year or so. Uh, I worked at Bank of America throughout my college years in the summertime and after school. So I went to Chase Manhattan Bank in Frankfurt after that and worked there for a couple of years. Then I um, started working with a company that sold land in uh, the Southwest. And we worked with American soldiers over there. So it was you know, similar to Mackle Brothers and General Development Corporation selling at sight unseen. And it's sort of like buying an insurance policy, basically. So, I dipped my toe into the real estate world, but it was um, on flat two two-dimensional maps that we sold it, and uh, I really liked it. I, you know, you learn um, you learn what the value of real estate is and why people buy it, and when. Uh, when my friend came back here, she got her license and said, "Come on, let's get in this business together." And that's what happened.
1: Wow! So that gets you that gets you rolling. Who was your first uh, the first brokerage that you worked for?
0: Well, yeah, that's a story too. Um, <laughs> he had um, fallen into some really good times with a developer and uh, decided that. Uh, it, it was mo- far more important for him to have free time than it was to be a real broker. So we worked for him for about three and a half years. And our main client that my friend had actually procured as a as a walk in, go figure.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and he had um, he was doing a lot of developing. And he said, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to work out at this company anymore. And we said, well, how about if we open a company, uh, will it work out then? That was on a Monday. On Friday, we had doors open to um, our own real estate company. So, And he helped us name the company, American uh, Realty, back then of Okaloosa County, because he was from Holland. So he was a naturalized, avid American that was uh, so patriotic, and we were trying to come up with... Names in the beginning of the alphabet because it was important to be in the front of the phone book back then. So um, he—he's wow. the one who suggested American Realty, and uh, we've had you know little iterations of that in the meantime. But he—he uh, uh, he was satisfied, and and we were able to jumpstart this business in the year that interest rates hit eighteen percent.
1: So yeah, it, there was there had to be some creative financing going on around that. Oh,
0: uh, we we had. Third, fourth, and fifth mortgages. Yes, um, fortunately, uh, you could still assume a mortgage without qualifying. So, oh, there, there was a lot of that going on. But, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. When, when does ERA enter the picture?
0: ERA entered the picture within three weeks after we opened the company. Uh, wow. We understood that we needed help, and it was a it was a crazy year to get into business not a year that anybody sane would have picked but we didn't pick it we had to it was it was that or or start all over with our business i talked to uh, a few brokerages and also to a couple of franchise uh, companies that were in business and there weren't nearly so many franchises in 81 as there are now Uh, we settled on era because they they offered the training, they offered referrals, uh, and there were also, I believe, nine ERA franchises in our, oh, say, 50-mile radius at that point in time. It was a very big and growing franchise, so uh, we we liked that idea, too. We were the only ones left after this recession was over, so I think we picked the right one, but and listen to what they had to say.
1: I mean, ERA is still going strong today. We're you know over 50,000 agents in the country, right?
0: There are a lot of agents and it's worldwide too. Um, I love it because I just feel that it, it has so much uh, heart. It's not all business. It's collaboration. And uh, some of my best friends are ERA brokers and agents throughout the country. So, we get a lot of value from it. I hope we give value, too, because that's one of the things that has become very, very important to me in these past years. Now that you know we've had some success and there's, uh, it, it's pretty stable as far as uh, whether our company is going to be in business next year or not. But uh, I'm glad to share anything that I can with, uh, well, most anybody, uh, not just ERA brokers.
1: Yeah. There there are so many different models that have launched. Think about what's changed since nineteen eighty one, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, hundred percent houses came in and and then as we move a little further down the road, you've you've got you have the, the discount brokerages that kind of kinda ebb and flow depending on the market, it seems like. Right. And then f- even EXP today. So, was there ever something along the way where, you know, and I don't want to get you into trouble with your, you know, ERA uh, with anybody up at Realogy, but was there anyone along the way that was like, you're like, oh, that's interesting?
0: Well, even within Realogy and ERA, there's many, many different business models. Uh, There's no one prescribed um, method, but I think the best business model is the one that keeps your agents productive and happy. The the splits are just a a byproduct of what you're offering if you have high touch and high tech reasonable agents understand that that costs money to be able to provide that to them so you have to look at the the whole dollar that comes in and agents will understand that part of that that dollar is being spent in their behalf obviously Um, They know that the company has to make a profit, too. Um, But I also know that they have to make a profit. They have to be uh, uh, productive. And if they are in a growth mode, I need to make sure that they can grow. And if they're not in a growth mode, if they're in a stability mode or maintenance mode, then we need to be able to, to help them maintain whatever level it is that they want to have. So, you know, I think the business model is it's it's overrated that you have to pick one or that one works better than the other. It it really is about attracting the right agents and keeping them.
1: Uh, first of all, I love to hear a broker talk like you're talking that's amazing because it really is, your role is to, to make it the best for you, best that you possibly can for your, for the agents that are working at your brokerage, right? Absolutely. when you do that, everything else absolutely falls into place,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about, so you have, you've, you've um, hired on a number of agents over 40 years. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah. So what, what do you, what are some key things you look for? when you're deciding if, you, if an agent is a good fit for how your ERA operation works.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we know going in that we're going to make a sizable investment of time and money in each person mm-hmm. that comes to us. So we look for people who want to make a commitment to the business. And we also know how many transactions it takes a year for the typical agent here to say, I am making a living in real estate. Um, For us, it's about 24 transactions right now with our average sales price. So if the person is willing to do the work, apply themselves, do all those things in the beginning that have to be done because you don't have referrals, we get behind them 100% and help them get to those 24 transactions. Now, not everybody wants that. There are a lot of people who get a license, and, and they really are doing it to um, for, for various reasons, but not for the money. That's okay, too. Um, we'll invest our time differently with them than we would with the person that says, I've got six months worth of money, and then I can borrow six months. And after that, I'm on the street. To me, that is, is a huge failure if we bring that person on and can't help them get to that 20 transactions at least.
1: All the tech companies out there that are still not profitable after 15 years <laughs> have no idea what real life is like, right? They just keep getting money from investors.
0: Just borrow more.
1: That's yeah. not the way it works in the real world. Uh, I, I love the fact that you look at it that way, that it's that it's that you almost take it on as a personal responsibility, it seems like.
0: I, I definitely feel that way. Um, to wow. me, it's very important to know that uh, we are not setting somebody up for failure. And if you see it after they've... Joined the best thing to do is to coach them out of the business as fast as you possibly can. Yeah, it's um, it doesn't do any good to leave somebody struggling for so long when you know that they're not going to be able to do the work. This business is not for everybody,
1: they need to be out getting a regular job and doing right. their own.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that
1: makes sense. So, so my guess is, you know, we talk a lot about relationships on the real estate sessions, and uh, it's a it's a big part of how I've grown what I've done in the title space and now in in my newest, newest career that I'm in. But talk to me about your take on relationships. How critical are they in your world?
0: Oh, I mean, they're everything. Uh, They are absolutely, you don't get new business without good relationships. You don't keep business without good relationships. You don't keep good agents without those. A few years ago, we um, spiffed up our, our uh, mission statement and our values and our, our mission statement is changing lives through real estate. It does. We, when somebody walks in our door to become an agent, we, hopefully we are changing their life for the better. When that agent sells a house, lists a house, hopefully the outcome is what the person wants to have and they feel that their life has been enhanced because of something that we gave them. Now, our our core values, one of them is we take care of those who need us. We're not saying we just take care of our own. We take care of those who need us. And uh, we support and educate all members of our family, empowering them to pursue their dreams. So it's, it's just important, not only within the company, but for all of our customer base that they understand that we only have one thing to give is service. We don't own those houses and those commercial properties that we're selling them or listing. All we're doing is trying to put things together so we have service.
1: My guess is that a, a pretty large chunk of business coming into ERA American Realty is probably referral based. Is that is that a safe assessment?
0: We uh, it has been more in the past, but this year probably uh, 22 to 25 percent of our business is relocation business. Yes. Wow!
1: Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then is is a big is a big piece of that referral business as well. Yes. You know, past mm-hmm. clients and that sort of thing.
0: Oh, I would say uh, for our successful agents um have been in the business a while most of them sit at between 60 and 70% referral and repeat business
1: it just makes things a lot smoother <laughs> um, you know and i know with realogy behind you there's they have a lot of tools in place that for those that yeah. want to get aggressive and they want to start doing some things you have all that absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, that's great let's let's talk about we we talked about computers and they were just exploding kind of in the 80s mm-hmm. when you were you, the, bro, the brokerage was just getting rolling what happened in the 2000s, right? The whole Web 2.0, whatever we want to call it, where all of a sudden social and these digital networks pop up. Um, was that really for you? Was that like the biggest change technology-wise that you've seen over that 40-year span? Or was there something else you thought that was even more, more powerful?
0: Well, technology, of course, it yep. is on the top of everybody's list as far as what has changed how you do business. And I guess there's a difference between how you do business and the way you do business, that the relationship with people, um, it hasn't changed, it might have changed in the way that you deliver some of your messaging in the early 80s, our only option was in person or on the telephone. Now we have far more options to stay in touch, but we realized two or three years ago that we were promoting too much of the hands-off automated type of stay in touch, and uh, it, was, it was beginning to show in uh, lack of either conversion or uh, repeat business, so uh, we have kind of not abandoned that model, but said, you know, for every time you do an automated touch, you need to have a personalized touch in some way too, because people are still people. We, we haven't turned into robots that don't need that uh, per, that personal touch. And this year more than ever, because uh, for a lot of people, they're not seeing people face to face.
1: Well, I think that um, when you, you talk about that, that personal touch, right. And, and the connecting with people that a lot of that just kind of gets lost. And I think I, I agree, completely agree with what you're saying that it, there's a, there's a, there's gotta be um, a concerted effort, right. To have those real conversations with people because right. that, that's what keeps relationships strong.
0: Right. Well, agents in sense uh, The digital age are able to handle far more transactions on their own than they used to be able to do. Um, But there's other big things that have changed in the meantime, too. You know, we used to be the gatekeepers of all the information. So if you wanted to know how much that house was, you needed me. Now the customers call and say, you know, I know how much that house is, I've seen it on uh, whatever. Uh, medium they're on they've they've seen all kinds of videos or drones or whatever. they they need, you know, a different kind of information now. So uh, we we've become more facilitators, and I think, for some reason, um, it, that leads more to maybe a an industrial kind of way of doing things. Let's just move them on through and uh, go on to the next one. So it, it's very important to remain that high touch person, not just be able to send an uh, an email out to ten thousand people at the same time. Um,
1: yeah, all those portals and all those iBuyers buyers and all that stuff that's out there, they're never really going to be able to do what you do, right? And what your agents do, and that's that's really knowing the area and just all that. I'm stuff. not
0: afraid of iBuyers buyers, and by any means, um, not not at all. That that will appeal to just such a small segment. Um, and NAR has done a lot of studies over the last few years, and they're finding that the young people they crave some kind of advice. Uh, well, they're not able to make their own decisions. They've found that out too. They grew up with their parents making all the decisions for them. So they they need somebody else to help make a decision for them. So uh, this iBuyer, yes, it will appeal to a few people, but it's not going to take over the real estate industry.
1: So 2020 was a uh, the three quarters of the way through it. And who knows what's coming in the last quarter. But you know, for you, what surprised you the most um, once the pandemic hit, and we, but did did uh, did the market there come through it okay? Like I'm hearing all around a lot of different places.
0: We had so many restrictions, and a lot of our business had started coming from open houses. So we got creative. We figured out when um, it was okay to do that. How to do an open house with two agents being there and making sure that social distancing took place and that uh, there there weren't a bunch of people in the house at the same time. Uh, it was, uh, it's amazing how flexible and resilient uh, everybody became uh, because we had to. We've recovered our, we will end up at the end of the year uh, ahead of 2019, as far as dollar volume, maybe not in transactions, but um, our, our agents, uh, if, if it's taught me anything resiliency is so important and and our people have it that we were shut down for a, a little while we weren't totally shut down in florida and it, it's still that way we we're finding new and better ways to do things and i know every company has had to uh, to go to zoom or webex meetings um, and uh, I think we've all found a way to make them more interesting and make them uh, more meaningful. Our, our last uh, uh, all-company meeting, which we are still doing by Zoom and allowing just a few people into our training room, had almost 50% of our agents attend. I think any brokerage would love to have almost 50% of their agents attend.
1: Right. We definitely accelerated learning curve on tech. Oh yeah. 2020.
0: Yeah. Well, Zoom made it easy. That's
1: fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Gloria, it's time for me to ask you this, the same final question I've asked every guest on the podcast since since the first episode, and that's if you could give one piece of advice, and I know that's tough, one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started, what would it be?
0: Be prepared to do the hard work of prospecting, following up and prospecting more. I also tell agents that come to us and say, yes, I want to get into the business because I love people and I love houses. My advice to them is that they will get over that very quickly and move on to the business of real estate. It is a business and it has to be treated that way.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, I, I'm sure you've had that. You've, had, you've, you've used that answer quite a few times. Over the oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's great. Fun.
0: I just love people, and I love showing houses. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you will get over Gloria, that.
1: <laughs> Gloria, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Well, by email. It could be gkfrasier at era-american.com, or my cell number is 850-582-4493. Or on Facebook, you can re- reach me personally at Gloria Fraser, or era American. Real estate, of course.
1: Awesome, Gloria. It, it really was a treat and an honor talking to you. I think it's so cool that you've uh, really you, you've done something that very few people have done, even in the ownership realm. And that is just you know kind of built something, stayed with it. I can't even imagine that, that there are generations now of people that you've had agents come through that now have children that might have children. I just I, congratulations on an amazing run. Thank you. Some
0: of those generations are with us too. We have um we have several family operations now where we saw the children grow up and uh, they are now agents with us so wow yeah, that,
1: that okay. feels so good congratulations and next time what my the, the next time I'm up in the panhandle I'm looking you up I'm going to find you you
0: better absolutely right. absolutely thank you. bill thanks thanks for having me
1: thank you for listening to the real estate sessions podcast to leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com/re-sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released.